stand as we read, as I read for us, Psalm 115. Psalm 115. We're going to read the, I'm going to read the whole psalm for us, then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump in together. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have no mouth. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, may you be praised here this morning amongst us. As we worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, we praise you. Lord, that we're not like the nations in the sense that, Lord, we're not being conformed to the idols of the nations. Lord, we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Do that more and more in us this morning, we pray. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today is entitled, I love when sermons, last week was like this, and this week was, is the same, when sermons are titled, what the text says. I love when sermons are, last week, if you remember, we, we entitled it, not to us, not to us, but to your name give glory. This week literally is, trust the Lord, he is your help and protector. And I, I would argue today, I, I really want to try to set a course for us for 2024, of what my desire, not only my desire, but I think what the Lord is leading us to in 2024. Um, And I I think, let me do this by illustration. Sometimes when we talk of Christianity and we talk of um, salvation even, we often speak of of it as, as far as destinations, You'll, you'll hear, and you'll hear many people, even, even people who don't know anything about the Bible or know anything about Christianity, they'll talk about heaven and they'll talk about hell. And I would argue sometimes, sometimes, and don't, don't mishear me with what I'm saying, 
the day-to-day of the Christian life actually has more to do with who you're becoming today than it does about where you're going someday. Let me say that one more time. We get so focused on destination, heaven, hell, that we actually miss who I am becoming today. And, and again, hear me rightly. The, the destination is very important. We're talking about heaven, eternal glory, and we're talking about eternal damnation. But actually, I would argue, I think we'd be very helped as Christians if we thought more daily on who am I becoming today? What, what am I beholding or looking at or staring upon or setting myself upon? And what is that forming me into? Now this psalm, I think this psalm is so pivotal for the life of Israel, but also for our lives. What you, your life every day is your becoming someone and see, that when, you, when you think in these kind of categories and it stops becoming about some destination, it stops becoming about heaven and hell, it actually starts becoming, who am I becoming today? I stop asking and worrying about and looking forward to, I actually get to look down today and ask the question, who am I becoming? Now this is going to be, 2024 I think is going to be a very interesting year for us. It's an election year. Anytime you have an election year, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have a world that's spinning around, losing their head at everything. And the question will be, what does Gospel Life Baptist Church do in 2024? Do we spin around just like the rest of the world around us? Do we lose our head at every single thing that happens? No, no, no. May it not be. May it not be. May we be people who begin to, to, to see that who we're, what we're beholding is what we're becoming. Now, now, the context, if you jump back to verse 1, jump back to verse 1. We saw verse 1 a bunch last week, and, and we saw the context of this psalm particularly is, is focusing on some sort of a military victory, or maybe even defeat. It's really kind of unclear. But we see the nations asking in verse 2, where is their God? So we see them saying in verse 1, I want you to see initially, this, this psalm is actually really interesting. If you look at it, I hope you have your Bible open. If you look at verses 1 through 3, and then you jump down to verses 16 through 18, it's actually like a sandwich. And I want us to see that this psalm is really like a sandwich. And the pieces of the bread are verses 1 through 3 and 16 through 18. And then it actually moves inward, which is how actually a lot of psalms do. It's, it's what's called a chiasm, okay? You don't need to know all that, but just know it's, it's actually moving toward verses 9 through 11. 9 through 11 is actually the point of this text. But I want you to see the sandwich. I think the bread is very interesting. And it's simply the praise and request. In their praising, they're actually requesting of the Lord. Notice what they say in verses 1 through 3. This is what the people, they would have said together. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory. You can hear the praise as well as the request in what they're saying. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I'll, I'll just remind you, we, we talked about this a lot last week. Part of why he, he continues to, the psalmist continues to give this repetition is because we are very, very dull in that sense. We are very, very prone to give glory to ourselves. And he puts those there twice to remind them, not to us, but to your name give glory, Lord. 
We were never meant to receive glory. We were meant to reflect glory. Now, I won't spend a ton of time on this because we talked about verse 1 all last week. But notice what they go down to say in verse 2. He says, why should the nation say, where is their God? And then you can imagine, you can picture the nations and Israel, them talking to Israel, saying to them, where is your God? Notice how he responds. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Our God is not constrained by situations or circumstances. He does all that he pleases. And it's not to us, but it's to his name. This God in heaven who does all that he pleases. Even while the nations stand and jeer, where is your God? We respond with, he's in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. So that's the bread. That's the first piece of bread. Let me, let me notice, notice with me the second piece of bread of this sandwich, which is verses 16 through 18. We looked at verses 1 last week. I'm, I'm going to focus in on 16 through 18 and then move on to the rest. He says it's actually not to the, I want you to say it's not to the dead, but to the living. It's not for the dead, but it's for the living. So now jump down to verses 16 through 18. Here's the bread of the sandwich of Psalm 115. And he says, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. Now, that's not saying that the, the Lord is not Lord of the earth as well. He's pointing out there that the heavens, when we look up at the heavens, that's where like, God is completely supreme over all things. But man he has given to reign here. He has given the earth to the children of man to reflect his glory to other image bearers. The earth was given a mandate from God to show God's rule and reign and authority. And we know where this goes. We talked about it last week. But what man did with it is we turn it into idol worship. People who were made in the image of God meant to reflect Him. They turn around and they worship the creation. Now, notice what he says in verses 17 and 18. I think this is very important for us. So it's not to us, O Lord. It's not to us, but it's also not the dead who praise the Lord. He says in verse 17, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. Those who are no more cannot praise him. And the hope of this psalm is that we do not serve the God of the dead. We serve the God of the living. And we serve, and notice what he says then in verse 18, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord, or literally, hallelujah. The psalmist is saying that today we will bless the Lord. Today and tomorrow and forever we will bless the Lord. So the hope here is not temporary. Our hope here, and I would even argue for 2023, brothers and sisters, our hope isn't here. Our hope isn't in 2024. You know, this is actually strikingly similar to what Jesus says in other places. He says, not to us, but to your name give glory. Not to the dead, but to the living. How is that? Jesus says in one place, and this is very common in what he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his, himself, his soul? Brothers and sisters, for 2024, may I say to us, may we, like the Lord Jesus say, give up our lives. Because here's the beauty of Psalm even 115. Even though they lose their life in battle, their confidence isn't in this life. Their confidence is in resurrection. So let us give up our lives joyfully. Let us lay them down with joy, knowing and trusting that we serve the God of resurrection. So not to us, O Lord, not to us. And it's not to the dead, but it's to the living. So husbands, what this means for us is that as we love our families and as we die to ourselves to care for our families, we're actually laying our life down, trusting what God says, and trusting he's going to resurrect it someday. Mothers, the same is true for you. I know the work that mothers do literally feels like death on a daily basis, because it is. Because it's dying to self day by day by day by day by day. But trusting, here's where we can't lose sight of this, but trusting he's going to resurrect it. If anyone would come after me, come after Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Maybe this is for you. Maybe it's your workplace. And as we lay our life down unto Christ, we can confidently expect he gives it back a hundredfold resurrected. The lifeless objects. Now notice where he goes here. So he starts with, this is what God's like. This is the bread of the sandwich. Not to us, not, but to your name give glory. Not to the dead, but to the living. And then notice where he goes. This would be the cheese of the sandwich, okay? <laughs> the cheese of the sandwich. He compares this, the God of the living, to the idols. And it's actually idolatry and blessing. This is the cheese, if you will, at the sandwich. And then finally, we'll end with the meat of the sandwich. But here's actually where he starts. Notice what he says. So he says, why, why should the nation, if you jump back to verse 2, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Then he immediately compares that with what? All of the idols of the world. Now, humanity, we talked about this a little bit the other week, but humanity is like a mirror. You know, part of what it means to be human is that we're reflective. We've talked about this last week, but I'm going to say it again. It's part of what makes creation, creation. We see on a practical level that when an artist creates a painting, he cannot not paint from himself. He has to. It's a reflection of what he's like. The same is true of us. God made us, and we are a reflection of his character until we start to reflect the created world around us. We see the same thing with dog owners. We've heard this before. Dog owners, they begin to, I've heard it said that dog owners begin to look like their pets. Have you ever heard that statement? And I think it's true at some level. Like you see a dog owner and you're like, they, they live with the dog long enough, the dog and the person begin to look the same. They begin to dress the same. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. We are reflective by nature. We have no ability to not be reflective. God made us to reflect him, and the problem with that is what we see in verses 4 through 8, is that we oftentimes bend toward being inverted mirrors, meaning mirrors that were meant to reflect him have actually turned in on themselves. And I would argue that hearts become, 
Hearts become what they behold. Hearts become what they behold. Now notice what he says there in verses 4 through 7. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. Now, now he's, talking, he's describing the idols here in verse 5. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do they do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Now, in, in the Old Testament, before we go any further, in the Old Testament, there's two broad categories of idols. Okay, so you would have, in Israel, we would, you'd, you'd see things like the Asherah pole. Okay, you remember what they would do with the Asherah poles? They would go and they'd cut them off. And that's actually not what he's talking about here. It's not that kind of an idol, necessarily. But Israel also had gods which they disproportionately loved. And I think that's what we actually really need to be very, very careful of. Typically, most of us don't have Asherah poles in our homes. Okay, We don't have things we need to cut down. Now, some things we do need to cut down and kill... The Bible talks about sexuality, like sexual perversion. That's an Asherah pole. We cut that down. But there's also the love of money. You don't, you don't stop, you don't sell all you have to get rid of that idol. But what you can do is you can begin to love money too much. And too much of a good thing becomes a God thing, which is a bad thing. Let me say that again. Too much of a good thing becomes a God thing, which is a bad thing. Now, notice what the power in idols is in verse 8. So he says, he describes the idols, what they do, what they don't do. Notice what he says in verse 8. This is very important for our understanding of idolatry. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The power in an idol is actually, and this is where we get so, I think, just confused we live in a very confusing age that, that we think there's like special powers and idols and this idol, it has special powers. The power of an idol is actually to make us into its image. Let me say that one more time. The power of an idol is actually inverse of what we think it is. We think, oh, I'll use this. They think in cultures, oh, I'll use this idol against them. And actually what the idol's doing is it's making them into it, which is really, really, really grotesque. Theologians have called this, here's the Latin word for it, if you like Latin, incurvatus in se, literally curved in upon oneself. And this is what happens. Now, I don't know, it's possible there are unbelievers here. And I want to I say to you, if you're an unbeliever, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm, I'm an unbeliever, I don't really believe this gospel, I want to make an observation. And I do this sometimes to people who claim they really don't want anything to do with Jesus. I want to look at them and I want to say, your life is a mess. And the reason your life is a mess is not something your boss did. It's not something that someone else did to you. But it's that you have begun to reflect the world around you. You're worshiping the world around you and wondering why life does not go well for you. Maybe this is people-pleasing. Maybe this is money. Or maybe just for some of us, for some of the unbelievers we'll run around with, it will be the election year, which is the, the, the various gods who are selves running around being angry that no one's listening to one another. Whatever it is. It's actually the owner of the idol that begins to be remade into the image of the creation. 
a person will actually begin to look like the thing they behold. And here's why it matters for me and you as believers. What you're becoming today reveals more about where you're going than anything. Let me say that one more time. What you're beholding today, what you look at, what you trust in, what you give yourself to is what you're becoming. And these idols, let me describe what they do. Every idol a person serves takes from them. They require you to uphold them. They require you to feed them. They require you to tend to them. They are needy. And if you stop feeding them, they die. But God's not like the idols. God is the great giver. I want to tell you the most subtle lie I think the enemy tells. The most subtle and damnable lie that Satan tells us is surprising. But it's this. It's God is, that God is not glorious. That God is not the giver of life. It's the lie that says, this will make me happier than God can. And that's the lie behind every sin that me and you ever commit. This thing, whatever it is, will make me happier than God can. Money says, if I just have that $1,000, then I'll be happy. Sex says, if I just have another sexual high, then I'll be satisfied. Power says, if I just get to be president of this company, then I'll be content. Brothers and sisters, may I tell you, kill that lie. Crush it. Kill it like Jesus says. Give up that lie. All of these realities lie to us. They somehow tell us that God himself is not glorious. He's not happy in and of himself. But the fundamental truth, and as we'll see in the Gospel of Matthew, which is where we're going, God himself is utterly happy. He's utterly happy, and he's wanting and willing to give that to me and you. Which is why I want us to turn, jump down to verses 12 through 15, which is the other part of the cheese of this sandwich. Which is, which is reflectors of glory. I love the hymn. If you notice those words there, just describing it a little further. There's a song, I think it's called Joyful, Joyful. You, you, you'd know it if we sung it. But it, there's a line in it that I think is very helpful. That it says that hearts unfold like flowers before thee. That's really the reality of the Christian. That our hearts unfold like flowers before him. And we not just unfold like a flower, we blossom before him in the light of his presence. If the idols of the nations make a person's heart shrivel from becoming what they behold, then the person's heart that beholds Christ Jesus flowers. Now I just want to pause here for a second before I go any further. I think this is why I give this text in an election year, in a year that I know is going to be bananas. Bananas is actually a pretty good guess. And as the world is going bananas all around us, may we be people who our hearts unfold like flowers before him and who blossom in the light of his face. Notice what Psalm verses 12 through 15 say. This is what, this is what the Lord promises to those who trust him. The Lord has remembered us. And that remembering is more than just intellectually, yes, of course, I I remember them. That is a covenantal remembering. I remember them. I'm committed unto them. The Lord has remembered us. 
He will bless us with the same kind of blessing we see in the book of Deuteronomy that God pours upon his people. He will bless the house of Israel, verse 12. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want to notice just two things that we see here. The first is that the Lord remembers. You know, your remembering of the Lord is actually secondary to his remembering of you. I want to say that one more time. The Lord, it's not first about our remembering of him. It's actually that he remembers us first. We naturally know and become more aware every day that our memories are bad. Most of us don't have a good memory. We forget things a lot. But the Lord is not like that. He remembers those who've come to him by faith. He not only remembers them, he looks at them and says, I have loved you before you ever loved me. As Paul says in another place, it's not that I've known God, but that he has known me. Notice again what he says in verse 14 and 15. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. So not only does the Lord remember us, he blesses us. You know how you know we live in an idolatrous culture? What do they do with the children? And sitting here on Sanctity of Life Sunday, the way we know we live in a disgusting, idolatrous culture is by the way people treat their children. The way we view children, children are never an inconvenience. Children are never a problem to be solved. And only a pagan culture would look at children and think that's a curse. Where what God thinks is, notice what he says, may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May he bless us. But this is more than children. This is far more than children even. Though children, I think, are a part of it. Numbers 6, 24, one of, the, one of the classic blessings of the Old Testament, which would be read by the priests, by Aaron, all the time. You've heard this, I know you have. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And brothers and sisters, how does he do this? He does it in Christ. As we behold the face of Christ, we behold the face of God. The Lord makes his face to shine upon those who trust him. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. I just want you to hear this read. But the one who turns to the Lord, that's the Lord Jesus, the veil, which was the veil that Moses held over his face, is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. There it is again. We, be- we become what we behold. So in 2024, I have a simple question I want to keep asking you. What are you beholding? What are you heading into 2024 and looking at? What is shaping you most fully? Is it Christ or is it everything else? 
Verse 15, what he says again, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Church, I have, it's a simple question. What shapes us most from week to week, brothers and sisters? We cannot place our trust in the garbage of the nations and expect to look distinct from the world. Let me say that one more time. We cannot place our trust in the absolute dunghill of the nations and expect to look different. So whether it's Fox News, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Friends, I don't care what it is. If you're beholding it, trusting, setting yourself upon it, believing the lies it's telling you, I can promise you what you're becoming. And it's not more and more shaped into the image of Christ. Or parents, the same is true of us. What's shaping our homes? We need to ask, fathers especially, need to be asking week to week, what is most shaping my home? Okay, so here's our, here's our hope, though. Let me, let me give you the hope and the meat, the meat of the text, and we'll land here. It's simply this. Trust the Lord. He is your help and protector. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, before we get here, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, you know, this looks really hard. How do, I, how do I reflect the glory of Christ? It doesn't really make sense. It's actually very simple. It's actually so simple that children can do it. And it's to trust Christ. That as we behold, now notice, and this is what, if you get nothing else from today, look at the top of your paper. Trust the Lord. He is your help and protector. By trusting him, you reflect him to the world. By trusting him, you reflect him to the world. Now, notice what he says here in 9 through 11. He says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. Trust in Yahweh. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So notice even the way he's doing this. He's saying, O Israel, all the people, trust the Lord. O the house of Aaron, the priestly caste, trust the Lord. And then he expands it even further. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Trust in Yahweh. He is their help and their shield. The same command is repeated three times to say, all of y'all. From the least of you to the greatest of you. It's like God lumps all the people into three categories. He says both small and great, both weak and strong, both near and far, trust the Lord. Trust the promises keeping, the promise keeping God. Trust the Yahweh, who's the God of the cosmoses, who keeps his word to his people. Trust the promise keeping, life sustaining God of all the people. And kids, this is important for you as well. I know you often probably sit there and think, I don't know what pastor's talking about. I want to give you something. You may be thinking, well, I'm a kid. I'll figure all this out when I get older. But I want to encourage you, young, young children, trust Christ today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait to get cleaned up to come to Him. Come to Him today. Both small and great. Both weak and tired. Come to Him. So I want you to consider these two things. Trust the Lord. He is your help. So let's look at that first one. The Lord is your help. 
Now, the word here for help is the same word that would be used for like military reinforcements. Yahweh is, is the reinforcements that is coming. He is the deliverer, the one who is our source of help and strength. And then secondly, the Lord is your protector. Now, you think about what a shield does. A shield simply protects a person. In a warrior's armor, the shield is simply a defensive mechanism. And Yahweh is both. He is both the one who's coming for our aid, and he's the one who protects us from the attacks daily. And the question is, again, this psalm continually asks, will you trust the idols of the world, or will you trust the Lord our God? You know, mothers, as you're throwing yourself into mothering, you need this. Fathers, you need the same thing. Children, you need the same thing. Business owners, you need the same thing. Grandparents, you need the same thing. Elderly, you need the same thing. Each of our situations are different. And this text beckons all of them. Every situation, come and trust Christ. Will you trust the nations or, to get you out of trouble? Or will you trust the Lord our God? And I'll say it again. In an election year that society is losing its mind... Gospel Life Baptist Church, we have a choice. In the words of Joshua, from Joshua 24, who will we serve today? And the question is, who will we serve tomorrow? And who will we serve the next day? Keeping our heads, walking through things like D group, discipleship group, walking through things like family worship, praying for our families, those societies all around us losing their minds, confusing fires, riots, May our homes be places of peace. May our homes, may our children, may all those that we are here in this little sanctuary, if you will, be a place of peace because of what we're beholding. You know, when situations and circumstances become challenging, idolatry looks appealing. But when situations are hard, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, that the Lord is faithful. He is your help and your protector. And ultimately, idolatry will prove worthless and empty and lifeless and ultimately damnable. Let me give you just one more um, just application for us as we can conclude. You know, part, part of, and I've heard a lot of times people's fear in life, a lot of times people's fear in life um, is, is things like death or things like, actually it's not even their own death as much as maybe a spouse's death. Maybe that's you sitting here today. Don't cling to your 401k. Don't cling to any other thing. Well, I'll have family come around me. Don't cling to that. Cling to Christ. Trust Him Trust the Lord. He is your help and protector. And by trusting Him, you reflect Him to the world. As you trust the Lord, you reflect Him to the nations. And as you rely upon Him, you make Him known to everybody else around. So my hope and my prayer for us for 2024 is that we would be people who focus more not just on our destiny someday, but we focus more every day on who we're becoming. And we do that by focusing on what are we beholding from day to day.
You know, C.S. Lewis, I'll, I'll close with this, and then um, I'm going to give just a short opportunity if anyone wants to share. I know last week we had our sharing time, and a lot of people weren't able to be here, uh, so if you'd like to share a testimony at the end. But uh, I want to share this. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Great Divorce, and it's a very interesting thought experiment. I don't jive with everything he says in the book, but I thought it was a very good thought experiment. And he says that he describes um, heaven or what would be heaven or hell and he says that in heaven, things actually become more solid to the point that there's like a spirit, spirits that, that, are, that are actually in hell. When they experience heaven, it's actually so heavy that they don't know how to experience it. Like raindrops will, will, will be like bullets through people because it's so real. And the same is true for us. You, you, know, you may be sitting there thinking, well, if I trust Christ, I'm going to lose my life. And I want to tell you, yeah. Yeah, you will. You will lose your life but you're going to gain it back infinitely so. I, 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 hate, I hate the hymn that says, well, I hate the part of the hymn that says, uh, the things of world, the world go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know that song? I think it should say, the things of world grow strangely bright in the light of his glory and grace. Because the things that we once beheld were like a gray dim, dim reality. But as we behold Christ, life becomes meaningful. Life becomes more full. Life becomes more, more life. We actually gain more life. So I pray that for 2024 for us, that we would trust the Lord and that our hearts would unfold like flowers before him. So I'm going to just give an opportunity. Uh, I'm just going to give maybe, I'll wait until it's awkwardly silent. If no one wants to come up and share, that's okay. Uh, But if you feel like the Lord has really blessed you in 2024 and you want to share that with us, uh, please try to take five minutes, about five minutes. Um, Yeah, come on up. You can share. uh, And if it gets really bad, I'll tell Tony to cut you off. (laughs) No, just kidding. It It will not be that bad. But if you want to, come on up and you can share.